1: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
2: Hello, good afternoon and welcome to the second episode of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast which cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing today? It is a horrible Sunday afternoon and uh, we're here to talk about rugby. It's David with Matt. Hi guys, how are we doing? Um, and we've got a hell of a lot to get through. Um, first off, we are going to have a bit of a bit of a chat about the weekend's results and what's been going on and then we're going to get into what we think are the biggest three questions about Scottish rugby at the moment and they are 1. What does Scotland have to do to beat Australia next week? Number 2. Are there any surprises in that uh, scottish autumn international squad? And number three, quite an interesting one. um, Is external investment a good thing for Scottish rugby? So that's what we're going to be getting into. But first off, let's have a look at the games that have been played this weekend with an eye to next weekend's uh, game against Australia. Wales 8, Australia 32. Matt, what do you reckon?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a really good good match. Um, Obviously, Wales have had a real hoodoo against Australia for a while. I don't think they've beaten them since 2008 or something. Yeah, it's Um, like 13
2: starts or something like that.
0: So it's been a long time and you thought that sort of Wales, looking fairly strong, settled team at the moment, playing at home against Australia who sort of have flattered to deceive for the best part of a year now. Um, Mm. You thought that this was Wales' chance to, to break their hoodoo. But a combination of them not really getting into the game and Australia not letting them um, I thought Australia were actually fantastic, really, their, their attack was probably one of the best that I've seen a team do, you know, sort of all black style. Um, and they actually left quite a few points on the park. Um, so yeah, I think that we talked about it before, but playing New Zealand, I think just distorts the, the rugby field entirely. So it doesn't really matter if you're losing to New Zealand every week, because they're so good that you could actually still be quite a good side. And it, it looks as if Australia have sort of um, quite, got quite a lot to build on for this for this tour.
2: Yeah, and it, that, I think that point you make about New Zealand is really interesting. I mean, we were as a Northern Hemisphere, you think, oh, Australia are rubbish at the moment, South Africa are even worse, and Australia are terrible as well. But they've just been coming up against a New Zealand team. Although, that being said, Ireland um, put in an unbelievable shift um, over in the States yesterday to win that 40 points to 29. I mean, The highlights from that alone are absolutely incredible. I mean, Robbie Henshaw's try to Mm. to seal it Mm. at the end. And Connor Murray, I've never seen, I mean, watching the All-backs for however many years now, you just don't see people scoring tries by sniping around the base. That is the most basic thing, and they do the basics Mm. so well. And Connor Murray absolutely cruised through a huge hole to score a really pivotal try. It was um, fantastic to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it seems as if Joe Schmidt just, he he gets his tactics right most of the time, and um, it's it's that that allows them to really challenge these teams. Obviously, they came close to to beating New Zealand a couple of years ago as well. Um, So I think it's, unless he is involved in the Lions in the end, I think it's a bit of a shame that they're not using him. Um, But, you know, maybe that's the secret to beating New Zealand. You've got to shift the match to Chicago and to call upon your, your expat fans because the atmosphere seemed absolutely incredible there yeah it's
2: awesome. It awesome I mean I think Wales could probably do with not playing Australia at the Millennium Stadium for a while if, like, yeah
0: well that's the hoodoo so yeah and um, I'm, I'm,
2: what about Rob Howley sort of waving off to Warren Gatlin saying don't worry don't <laughs> no, worry no. Warren I've got, got everything <laughs> covered here and then <laughs> getting an absolute pasting um, so let's see how he bounces back to that but yeah. I think and we'll get on to the Australia game against Scotland next week I think they're not going to be a, a, a soft game based no, on the sort of malt. being the whipping boys of New Zealand. They are, oh God, Bernard Foley on the front foot is just, he's scary yeah. when he's getting good ball.
0: Falao seems to be coming back into a bit of form. And they we will talk about him sure later, but they've also said that they're potentially going to play him at 13 on this tour, which, you know, him having even more ball in hand is, is quite a sort yeah. of frightening prospect, really.
2: And then um, domestically, couple, couple. Obviously, Edinburgh and Glasgow both in action in the Pro 12, missing the sort of majority of the players who are going to be involved with Scotland um, over the next few weeks, but a few still playing, coming back into sort of fitness. Edinburgh recording a great 28-17 victory against mm-hmm. Ulster on on Friday night, sort of concluding the uh, roller coaster fortnight for Edinburgh, including wins over Harlequins, a loss to Zebra, which. Is enough to make any fan want to kill themselves, and um, then coming back and recording a really good three try win against an Ulster team, which still included Charles Pietà, um Tommy beau Marshall, and Ruan Pinar. I mean, that that's a decent side, and uh, I think Edinburgh did really well.
0: It's it's just a bizarre one, isn't it, that you can go from losing to you know perennial Boston dwellers Zebre um, last week with arguably a stronger team because they weren't. Edinburgh weren't sure of their internationals at that point, um, and then you you play Ulster as you, have you as you said have Charles Piattau you know definitely the best player in the Pro 12 probably the best player in the UK and you know one of the top players in the world um, you know it's quite a frightening prospect albeit it was at home and actually before the game when I saw the Edinburgh team you know it looked lightweight there there were quite obviously the internationals missing so you had guys you know I think Mario McCallum and a loose head was making his Starting debut, or you know, it's at least his starting season. Um, Jack Cosgrove, I think the other prop, making his debut. So yeah, it was sort of it looked a bit um, a bit of a hiding to nothing at the start, but yeah, but, they looked looked really good. But, uh, the young guys coming through, um, likes of Bradbury played really well. Um, got a got a try as well. a really so. try. Kennedy seems to I've sort of written him off before, but seems to actually be playing quite well. And to keep Hidalgo Klein out of the team, you've got to be doing something right. Mm.
2: Um, and the new guy Mata, yeah,
0: yeah, Mata. Who you know, is, we we talked about it on our on our Twitter. Um, he you know he could be our or Edinburgh's equivalent of Leonie Nakarawa, who you know was an absolute maverick and great player for for Glasgow. Um, and he looks like a really really handy player, yeah. um, very natural as as you'd expect from a Fijian sevens guy.
2: I think it was probably just all that Edinburgh could do to repay their fans who had to go through the game against Zebra last weekend. I mean, uh, Possibly, going yeah. going down to Murrayfield, the, the couple of thousand that make it every uh, every week um, are incredible fans who've been through thick and thin with the team. Yeah. So it was good to give them something to uh, yeah. to, to to shout about, and so I, I think
0: I, yeah, I suppose the next thing is just getting the consistency. Um, so that you can go and watch them play on a Friday night and it you'd be is. confident of a win rather than there is no such. there th- might be a slip-up. There's
2: no such thing as consistency in Scottish rugby. I know, I think it's a that shame. Is, it is a shame. It's that a shame. is something that we're probably all going to be waiting for for the rest <laughs> of our lives. And speaking of which, Glasgow going down to the Scarlets and getting beat in 27-3. Um, I mean, obviously they were shorn of a huge number of um, of, in, of internationals. They're much more impacted than than Edinburgh traditionally are. And yes, the Scarlet is a difficult place to go. But, I mean, to get beaten, not even get close to a losing Mm. bonus point. And this is the Glasgow team that started the season looking, I mean, unbeatable in the Pro 12. I mean, playing incredibly well, playing great rugby. They had that incredible result against Leicester in the the European Cup as well. And this is when Mm. people were talking about Glasgow being a serious threat. Um, And now... Obviously, the Munster game was a bit of a write-off, we think, but they seem to have really sort of bottomed out with this result against um, Linfield. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you go to Linfield and you you lose a tight match, and you maybe pick up a bonus point. That's with your you know internationals away. That's potentially a good score. But I was looking at the Glasgow team actually, and you know there is obviously excuses to be made about guys being in training camps, but. There's still nine internationals in that Glasgow team. You know, you've got guys like Pete Horn, who's at 20 caps, um, Mark Bennett, um, you know, Rob High, sort of guys who, you know, have been extremely experienced for for Glasgow as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, a pretty poor result, and the the performance, I think, was the main thing. There were yeah. so many errors. Um, yeah, it was handling was terrible. I tell um, you what,
2: the, the the they need to do some tackling practice. I don't know, or maybe the little Athlete lads had something on their their, their shirts, but. The number of missed tackles mm. leading up to, I think it was the second try, uh, scored by the the, the scrum, the Nalethi scrum half was, I mean, four or five, sort of on the, on the spin, sort of just falling off. It looked really, really budget, and um, I mean, that's the sort of stuff that Glasgow have not, mm. they've not been doing recently. They, their defence is sort of they're well known for it, um, so that was a real shame. And I think I think the match t- turned. Obviously, they went into the sheds at halftime seven three down, and you'd be thinking. Gregor Townsend's gonna to bash their heads together, and they're gonna come out fighting. And then, you know, you lose a man to the bin for ten uh, for ten minutes, and they concede thirteen points, and there's the game gone. Essentially, I mm. mean, the Scarlets went down to to fourteen in the first half, and they didn't concede any points, or maybe that maybe one they, they that was when the penalty came. Mm. But within that ten minutes, they always say it's worth two scores. Linethley proved it, and then uh, Glasgow were chasing the game ever ever since then, and it's a uh, Hopefully one they can just draw the line under and yeah. um, and get the better of in the next month or so, but it's not 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 been a good uh, couple of weeks for um, yeah. for the West Coasters. It, so. it would
0: be great if we could, at uh, this podcast at one point, talk about two wins for the pro teams, <laughs> um, it seems to be at the moment that it's a loss and a victory that we're talking about. And I suppose that's sort of one of the main things, just that lack of consistency and it's quite hard to actually tell where Edinburgh and Glasgow really well, are. If, the, at yeah. the moment. if there was um, going to be
2: one weekend, it was last weekend when we had Edinburgh had uh, zebra yeah. and Glasgow had Treviso, but Edinburgh did us did us a solid and managed <laughs> to keep that amazing run going. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, no two wins for the for the guys, but uh, <laughs> that is it. Hopefully, Edinburgh rugby. I don't know if you guys saw on our Twitter that's um, at Thistle Rugby Pod. You can follow us. There's lots of nonsense and chat about rugby going on there but we posted a photo of the plans for Myrside for the mm-hmm. new Edinburgh Rugby setup it looks absolutely awesome um, so really looking forward to that and I, I think you've said, we've said before that we think that's going to make a big difference to Edinburgh once they get mm. in there so.
0: And is that that after Christmas? Uh, well, first, yeah then? first game yeah. is in, um,
2: yeah. in January on the hallowed turf of uh, Myrside, <laughs> Stuart McAnally making a return which everyone's going to be looking forward to. He was head boy at Watson's and first fifteen captain for a couple of years, so hopefully he's going to feel very at home getting back onto that pitch at my side. So um, good yeah, luck to him. great. Can't wait. Once they get there. So let's crack on, though. So that's what that's where we're leaving off. Let's dive into what we think are the three big questions of the um, of the moment, looking ahead to the autumn internationals. Number one, what does Scotland have to do to um, to beat? that Australian side who so comprehensively smashed Wales down in Mm. Cardiff. Matt, give us some thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, well, as I said, I I thought it would be a far closer match and, you know, we tend to lose quite comfortably to Wales. So, at first glance, it doesn't look that great. Um, I thought Australia were absolutely excellent um, in terms of they absolutely dominated the breakdown, got such quick ball. Um, You know, Pocock and Hooper were just incredible as they they always are. Um, And then, from that, you had the half-bats controlling it. As Dave mentioned, Bernard Foley was absolutely incredible. He was just picking his passes. Um, Falao really came into the game. And yeah, they just looked like a really sort of organised, structured team. And even, you know, sort of Stephen Moore and the front row guys they're handling, the two second rows as well, Um, Coleman and and Roy Arnold were were excellent. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough, tough match. And what what worries me is that you start a game with Nick Phipps
2: and um, Bernard Foley, and they absolutely clean them off the park. But they're still talking about, OK, well, we've maybe got Will Gagne and Quade Cooper waiting in the wings if we want to do something a little bit more uh, sort of wild against Scotland. And that's not exactly like a step down. And I just, I worry. And what I think, if we if the question is, what does Scotland have to do? It is somehow... Um, interrupt the flow of play and slow them mm-hmm. down. The pace yeah. of the ball uh, that Phipps was getting into Foley's hands and the Welsh defence was in disarray. Mm-hmm. The number of clean breaks that were made is just it, it's, it's criminal at international level you don't see people making those sort of breaks and they were getting around the outside and they were, they were, they were breaking them up all over the park. Mm-hmm. So I think for me it's got to start with somebody getting in there and slowing down the ball Which means, I mean, whoever gets picked at seven, and I think that's going to be a huge contentious area, um, has got to go and and get their head over it and slow it down. That's why I would probably, I'd probably want to see John Barkley mixing in somewhere in that back row for Scotland next week because he's a natural seven, but he can play somewhere else. And probably John Hardy as well, Mm -hmm. that can just try and disrupt that flow. Because I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to do it.
0: But the the chat is that it is going to be Ryan Wilson who's starting it at, at yeah, six. Yeah. Well,
2: this is this is exclusive exclusive yeah, stuff, for the Thistle, Thistle Readers. Don't don't say we don't treat you well. Our um, extremely well placed sources within the Scotland squad are saying that it is looking like it's going to be Ryan Wilson at six, Josh Strauss at eight, and that number seven jersey is mm. going to be is a bit of a head, uh, a bit of a, a, a head scratcher because we've got. Um, Hamish Watson's obviously keeping John Hardy out of the Edinburgh team at the moment Um, do we give him a go we know Hardy has been great for Scotland Um, or John Barkley he's been playing great for the Scarlets correct me if I'm wrong somebody out there on Twitter but I think he's got certainly going into this weekend he was the second highest turnover um, in the Pro 12 Um, so I mean I think it would be important to have him not just for that but for his experience Mm -hmm. um, next weekend but you know that's um, that. That being said, but that's the sort. They've got three players vying for that seven shirt. But it seems what we're hearing, anyway, is that Ryan Wilson is is yeah. nailed on for six. Which, which um, I, I suppose
0: the, the the rationale must be that they just want to pick as big a pack as possible, maybe. So that that would suggest to me that they're looking to, you know, as we say, slow slow the game down quite a lot, which I think makes sense, but. I'm always one for having a fetcher in the team so I would I would love to see I think Hardy's a great player and I think Hamish Watson's really deserved his chance as well so maybe they'll come off the bench when the game loosens up a bit yeah. um, I wonder if I wonder if Barkley
2: will, will be on the bench because he can cover all three of those yeah, positions at true. the back yeah. I wonder if that's that's maybe it's like the uh, the Austin Healy effect that's what's keeping him out of the starting
0: team <laughs> Yeah, he's too versatile I don't think he'd like that comparison but um <laughs> Yeah, so I I think, just going back to the question, I think slowing the ball down as much as possible. And just, I mean, Wales hardly had any possession, So, you know, we haven't seen what Australia like defending us. And particularly in the World Cup, um, sorry to bring that up again, but we really gave Mm. them a good good, um, sort of game in terms of our attack. We posed quite a lot of questions. So maybe if we can get a bit of ball, um, you know, maybe if it is a slightly tighter game, um, that we can sort of try and do if you pick and goes through our forwards, um, and you know not not let the likes of of Foley and Falao and and Spates etc in, into a, a sort of more yeah. open game. But that that being
2: said, oh god, it's obviously it's awful to talk about that World Cup, but we almost beat them by scoring tries. We didn't slow that game down. We scored. Yeah. We scored a hell of a lot of points. I mean. We were going out there, and the problem was we couldn't stop them scoring at the other yeah, end.
0: But I mean, maybe that's the thing that you you know that Australia, particularly against the northern hemisphere side, maybe apart from well, even in the England series, the last one, they scored a lot of points. So you've got to take that view of we know they will score, but we have to score more yeah. for them. So yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game in terms of the the tactics and the strategies. I think each team I think for us,
2: it. and I think for us, it's just important to keep to keep the scoreboard taking over. It's such a simple thing, and the good teams do it so mm-hmm. well but I think Scotland are just perennially poor at getting points when they get into the 22. I mean, I don't know about you and we can talk about the selections later on, but I, for the last five years, the number of times that we've been in tight games, we've won penalties in the middle of the park, we've kicked it into the 22 and then we've lost the subsequent line out. um, Because Ross Ford's arrows are just not up
0: to the, not (laughs) up to scratch. They're not. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's one of the most infuriating parts of being a Scottish fan in in recent years. Um, but I, I think that they'll they won't mix things up. I think they'll stick with them. I think they maybe were, for his scrummaging. Maybe that's one of the main reasons. I think this but, is the,
2: this is the thing. And because I think well, I, I think without WP now, um, our front row and our prop choices um, in that AI squad is looking yeah. a little bit a little bit late. So we do need that, the sort of the heft of. Ross massive arms forward, um, sort of propping everyone up so you know I think we're just <laughs> yeah. So we're, maybe we're wishing for too much.
0: I don't know I was in the last part I obviously predicted three wins and it, it seems as if it, it is just the New Zealand effect it really distorted how good a team Australia were. They, they still are quite inconsistent though so maybe there's a, a chance there but I'm not nearly as confident as I was yeah. before in the back of that really impressive display. But we'll see.
2: So, how do you beat Australia rugby? You just beat. You just you beat. Just, you just beat Australia, Australia rugby, Australia rugby yeah, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's how you do it. You d- I think we just need to slow down the ball and uh, score more points than them. I think that's probably the our, our razor sharp analysis very from this good. week. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think. Hey guys, <laughs> you come here. Come here for the banter. Yeah, exactly. stay, stay for the analysis. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. So moving on. I mean, we're looking forward to that. It's kind of a tangential one. Looking at that autumn international squad, which was released, were there any um, any surprise areas or surprise omissions or inclusions?
0: Well, I, I thought that um, around centre there were a few sort of surprises. Yep. Um, I, I I thought that Matt Scott would get in. I think he's played really well this season. Um, Ever since he shaved his head, he's yeah, just been looking.
2: <laughs> he looks hard. He looks he looks really hard. I think that's an I think that is an issue when you're um, playing
0: down down in England. So. But maybe he's paid the price for, you know, that Gloucester team. I think have won one game in the in, yeah, the, in the Aviva Premiership. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a bit of a shame, and I'm, mainly because as well at the same time, I thought Duncan Taylor would be injured. So, it's a bit of a surprise, but I don't think it necessarily weakens us a lot. Um, yeah.
2: What, what do you think about the inclusion of um, of Hugh Jones, that um, that very very Scottish <laughs> um, player?
0: Well, yeah, I think he's he's qualified to play for England, Scotland. Wales and South Africa, I think. So, so he's chosen. He he has chosen extremely well. He's chosen the top side, there. Yeah, (laughs) but I think he, his dad is Scottish, and I think he went to Watson's for a bit. Did he? I think so.
2: Oh well, if he did, I take take it all back. I I could,
0: I could be wrong, but I think he definitely played some rugby in Scotland when he was younger. Um, but yeah, it seems as if he's
1: planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince.
0: been doing extremely well at the Stormers. Um, someone released a sort of super cut of his highlights the other day on, on a rugby onslaught, I think, and he's looking absolutely incredible. We haven't had a player like that seemingly. I know it's a highlight, highlights real, but in a long time. So I think it he could push for a start, maybe him and Dunbar, if Taylor's still not quite 100% fit. And it's just good to have those options. you know. I think it's a far cry from the days of Graham Morrison and Andrew Henderson and Goofy. Andrew Craig and all those guys. Rob Dewey. Rob G just you know it, it's it's great to have so maybe that's a bit of a surprise, but I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing
2: yeah, and I think one of the big areas of um contention is probably going to be that front well not contention, but the front row i is a a is, a is a concern for me
0: yeah
2: um without w p now it, it looks we look lightweight definitely um, it looks young i mean xander Ferguson is a great great prospect but He's a young guy, and he's coming onto a game. Um,
0: Was he 20? Yeah, I mean... Props peak at what, in their late 20s is ex- experience. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's expected to anchor the scrum against a, an Australian front row who maybe struggled a bit against Wales, but definitely improved in recent years. I mean, Scott CEO is a, a great scrummager. Yeah, um, And is. Kepu's absolute man-mountain. I mean, they're um, just
2: huge. and um, Alan, Alan Dow coming
0: in, yeah. um, he, he's... I just look at the whole front row. Without maybe the hookers is a bit stronger because I think Ford is fine, and you know Fraser Brown and Stuart McInerney, I think could do a job. But yeah, you know it, it means that you have Xander Ferguson is very one cap, very inexperienced. Um, Murray Lowe, who has been recalled but hasn't really been at the international scene for a while. has never been that brilliant, um, and then you sort of got the backups of Alan Dell and and Alex Allen, who's just been called in. You know they. Probably promising young players, but very young. And I mean, even Alan Dell, he's he's only had 23 appearances for Edinburgh, and 18 of them have been off the bench. So mm. he's not exactly battle hardened. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's probably the main concern.
2: It's probably going to be more of a concern when we play against Argentina in mm, the, but, <laughs> well and Georgia. And Georgia, well. actually, yeah, they've got those beasts yeah. that just sort of run around eating people they in the pro just port.
0: breed props like nothing else. So.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's
0: that's a that's quite a tough one. I think I think, yeah. I think
2: the only option is really let's bring back Alan Jacobson, uh, bring back Chunk, let's get that yeah. trending on Twitter. I think we bring can get a real chunk. a real justice momentum. Justice for Chunk. <laughs> <you do? laughs> Hashtag Justice for Chunk and bring him back in. If we're looking for an anchor, we need we need that man. Uh, I think that's the only option.
0: I think you. I think you'd do it. I think you probably would do it. I mean, for enough enough pints. A few pies, <laughs> a bit of a backhander at the end, you know. Not, I think he'd, he'd, yeah. do it,
2: he'd do it. Not, he was getting a thousand pounds a game, but what yeah. uh, last season—it
0: uh, was a few seasons ago—I played ago. against him a couple of times, and he was—he was unbelievable. But he couldn't care less. I think he only played <laughs> about six games the season, and he was like, "Well, I'll take my six well, k, so take six
2: grand." Um, so I saw him. I saw him riding a bike once, just sort of like Watsunia's going through. Side. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it he's just not he's, you can't imagine a man that size riding a bicycle it's just not it's not natural um, um,
0: if you if you get a chance you should listen to the, to the rugby pod that Jim Hamilton and Andy Goode do because um, Jim Hamilton has some great stories about uh, Alan Chunk Jacobson um, but anyway so yeah I think that front row is a problem area and I've never really focused too much on props before because I almost thought they were just a bit of a joke but so, so important these days, to the set piece, so every, that's a bit of a worry.
2: Everything else, Rob Harley coming back into the mix in the back row. I mean, I can take him or leave him, to be honest. I don't think he's... Uh,
0: I don't think... He's, he was playing for Glasgow yesterday. I, I don't think he'll start or even... I think he might we, not even be involved. So. Yeah.
2: I, think the only, I think the only good game he's ever had against, I think a good game he had for Scotland was against Italy a few years ago. And that thing he tries to do at every ruck of sort of kicking the ball actually worked a couple of times. Yeah, but I just—I mean, I just don't think he's—he's uh, he's heavyweight or streetwise enough to to be no, to make a significant difference for
0: very you know good player for Glasgow, but that'll do.
2: But I think we've got—I think we've got an awful lot of we've got we're spoiled for choice in the back row actually, which is um, it's good and yeah. it's great to see get yeah. Hamish Watson coming through definitely, um, and uh, Marcus Bradbury, I believe, has been—he's in not in the squad, but he's sort of training around it
0: to yeah, get the. Um, there's a few guys. There's Magnus Bradbury. Um, there's Nick Grigg who's this um Kiwi lad that uh Glasgow signed a couple of years ago and he's by all accounts been tearing up trees when he's had a shot. Um seems like quite a sort of nippy little quite small guy but absolute jets. Um, he can tear up trees. Sorry? He tears up trees. He literally te- he literally tears he's a up trees. Yeah, he literally tears Fair up creative. trees. Um so yeah, I think there's there's some exciting people and I think yeah. maybe Blair Kinghorn's one that should have had a A little shot, maybe come on as a backup ten or something. Um, That's what
2: I would have liked to see Blair Kinghorn getting a shot in and amongst the 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 first team squad. Like he's he's playing really well for Edinburgh. He is absolutely jets. He knows what he's doing. He's clearly a really skillful player. Mm. Um, And just to get that experience with the national side, I think would have just been really helpful for him because I think he is going to be a player that comes through. And also, very touching, very quickly on something. Obviously, not that close to it yet, but. I don't know if anyone saw Adam Hastings playing for Bath mm. against Leicester on Friday night. He had one absolutely class touch. Again, we put it on our Twitter. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant, just sort of um, one-touch pass on uh, to set up a try. Mm. But by all accounts, I didn't see the whole game, but by all accounts, he had a really, really classy game. Um so hopefully he's kicking yeah. on I mean I'd like, it's difficult to tell if he's only getting games in the sort of the Anglo-Welsh yeah. cup well that's because, that's I the mean, hard
0: thing for him that he's got George Ford in front of him who you know is one of the world's best tens and, yeah exactly but there's, there is chat of Ford moving away potentially to to Leicester um, loose shout to join his dad at Toulon so there's maybe a shot or maybe he thinks about coming up north because I, uh, I know that Hastings has been he hasn't even been in the Bath squad for a lot of the season. he's been playing for um Harper is dual yeah. dual registered, so I think he needs a bit more game time. So we'll see yeah. what happens there. I like he, yeah, to keep an
2: he is obviously from a Scottish rugby dynasty, so it'd be great to see him uh, him coming through. And as you say, as and as we've touched on before, I think the strength and depth at that halfback area for Scotland is uh, is a particularly mm-hmm. tricky one. So if we can have uh, Adam Hastings, another Hastings legend coming through, that would be. Uh, <laughs> That would be pretty. Another George Watson's college legend, actually, I think we should, uh, we should touch on. We need to on.
0: stop talking about that
2: horrible institution. <laughs> I really don't think we do. We probably don't talk about it enough. Um, but that's, I mean, for the rest of the squad, I think, um, obviously, scrum halves, fly halves, um, speak for themselves, really. As expected. I know, sure. um, and in the sort of wingers in the back three, yeah. I don't think we're going to be surprised by any of the no. choices any of the choices there mm. um, and in the row I think there's two brothers Richie and Johnny Gray who I think will uh, all right. I think they'll probably do a job yeah, um, R- yeah Johnny Gray 300k legend yeah, Johnny Gray Yeah, turning down a payday at Toulon but to be fair Mike Ford's brand of rugby is absolutely awful so I'm not sure
0: why it you'd want like to go to Toulon maybe a couple of seasons ago you would have gone to Toulon and played the likes of of Gitto and um, yeah. Smith and those guys but I think they're a bit of a Sinking ship, and I think it's it's great. He's you know he's the captain of Glasgow. It's it's sort of showing faith in what what's happening there, um, and I think we as we talked about in the last episode, we I think we need to keep these these players in Scotland. So, well, it's good news. We we
2: heard another little bit of intel. Um, is that we obviously know that
0: Stuart Hogg's decided to stay, but we heard that that he's on what is it three hundred and fifty? It's yeah. I was told to quote um, an unnamed source. It was <laughs> the figure begins with a three. And I'm presuming that that means it's a six-figure, well, I mean, beginning with three. So, well, I don't think it's going to be seven. I mean, that would well, be, be quite <laughs> bad. Three, three million out of three the grand? five million budget. Three grand? Um, yeah, I mean that's just basic. So he'll be doing. I think okay.
2: Stuart's all right. He's do, I think he's doing all right. So we don't need to waste too much time thinking about him. And yeah. he's, I haven't seen a Lions team obviously too early to talk about it. I haven't seen a Lions team that hasn't had Hogg at fifteen yeah, up to this stage. Definitely involved. So he's probably going to get some. Uh, Get himself a nice little holiday to New Zealand at the end of the season, fingers crossed, anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's where we are with the Ottoman internationals. I'm I don't know about you, I, I'm super excited, and I have that sort of Scottish rugby optimism. Um, fatal. at the moment, it's fatal. a fatal, fatal, um, uh, uh disease that uh, infects everyone twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I, I, th- I think we're going to give Australia a good go. I don't think we're going to win it, um, but I think we're going to give them a good go, uh, and God, I really hope that we can sneak something because just seeing the Ireland fans, mm, just yeah. seeing what the the sorry the American Irish fans <laughs> from South Boston um, going absolutely nuts for um, Ireland beating New Zealand. Can you even imagine if, if Scotland? If,
0: if only. Can, can you imagine yeah. if Scotland did that? Just want to be that ninety-year-old man who sees Scotland's first ever grand sl- oh in our lifetime grand slams. Um, yeah, the emotion and everything. Oh, the class. Oh, to too 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 good. Not fair.
2: Um, Well, hopefully, maybe this third point that we're going to discuss is going to be the thing that's going to springboard Scotland into uh, the eras of success that Ireland and Wales have uh, enjoyed, certainly. Mm -hmm. And that is whether external investment is going to be a good thing for Scottish rugby. Now, I assume our listeners are all extremely well-knowledged about uh, the inner workings of the SRU. They had an extraordinary general meeting, and they voted unanimously to allow... The SRU to begin looking at and having conversations with um, external um, investors to try and get some uh, private money into Edinburgh and Glasgow, and hopefully lessen the burden on the SRU, so they'd maybe have a bit of cash to uh, to to free up. I mean, my my initial take on it is I think it's a really good thing as long as the SRU maintains a majority stake. Mm. I think there's um, there's always need for a little bit of private money, a little bit of um, Ingenuity in spending and sort of revenue raising, and if that helps um, Glasgow and Edinburgh become more competitive, that in turn obviously helps Scotland. So I'm
0: I'm all for it. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that it's it was sort of always. I think they've been having these discussions for for a while, um, and I think that basically they decided the the amount of money going into the top 14, going into the the v, uh, Viva Premiership, um, it's just. Too difficult to compete compete against when you're funding it entirely from the from the national rugby body. Um, so you know at, at the moment, I think the SRU are putting in about five million of their own money into Glasgow and Edinburgh each year, um, and that doesn't really seem like that that big amount. So if you can get sort of a, a decent equity stake from from some of these investors, um, you know, money for you know, kitting out myerside side to a good standard um, for. Uh, you know, just better facilities in general, and for maybe bringing in some really, you know, just a few really top class um, international foreign players. I, I, you know, I think it can only be a, a good thing. But, um, but uh, I
2: think we want to avoid the uh, the Carruthers brother um, sort of. Yeah. I mean, nothing short of a disaster when they uh, when they owned um, owned Edinburgh. Um, yeah. So they
0: they came in, and this was at the time when the SRU had still had a lot of debt, loads of debt, but they, which they've now I think sort of got rid of. But um, they came in and basically took Edinburgh off the SRU's hands, and this was a time when um, it was uh, Gordon Mackay was was head of the SRU, and basically his he was a numbers guy, and his remit was to improve the finances. Um, and I think at the start it was sort of full of promise and um, sort of headlined by the fact that the Carruthers brothers went out and basically signed up Stephen Larkin. you know, maybe at oh. the twilight of his career, but you know one of the best players ever, um, and he was on the verge of signing for Edinburgh, but the deal fell through after the SRU refused to power finance the contract. And I think just from then, there was this massive fallout. And, and that probably stemmed from the issues of control um, in terms of the SRU having a say in what Edinburgh were doing. Um, I mean, it was things like Edinburgh refusing um, to release Scotland players to training camps and uh, dis- disputes over TV revenues. Um, so the whole thing was just massively mis- yeah. mismanaged. But... I think that the SU will have learned from that and I think just having, retaining majority control, retaining 51% stake in in the in the franchises um, will hopefully um, avoid yeah. that. I think it's good, but I mean, is this, what do you think the
2: SOU are thinking? I mean, it's just, are they looking to free up some cash to maybe do a third pro team? Are they maybe looking to plow it into grassroots or do you think it will all um, just generally boost the revenue of Edinburgh and Glasgow?
0: It's maybe a mix of all three. Um, I think it's definitely. I th- I'd say first and foremost is to boost the revenues of Edinburgh and Glasgow and to take the burden off the SRU of yeah. sort of central funding. Um, and you never know if if the franchise system works and um, you know the the investors whoever they may be come in and sort of do a good job and both parties are happy about it then maybe that gives the SRU a better position to say right well we want to start a third protein whether that be in. You know, a sort of Caledonia team based in Aberdeen, or I don't, I don't think the borders would work again. But at least sort of entertain the idea of that um, then you can sort of point, mm-hmm. to, you can mm-hmm. point to Edinburgh and Glasgow as successful um, case case mm-hmm. studies. So yeah, possibly. You know, maybe
2: strengthen the ties with London Scottish. Oh, been that's another of, option as well. Yeah. Um, which I think has anyone has anyone really good come up through that London Scottish partnership yet?
0: Um well they they've been very they're all young players that are there at the yeah moment. You know, they're all guys just coming out of the under twenties but I mean the, the good thing about it is when you see the London Scottish teams announced um it I don't think it's been sort of a a token gesture I think that you actually see all these guys starting and yeah you know, to have young nineteen twenty twenty year old guys um starting in the in the in the championship and you know a tough league um and going to places like Doncaster and Playing against the likes of the London Irish, playing against ex internationals. Um, hopefully, there will be some guys to come out of it. Um, and I think there are quite a few promising guys, the likes of um, uh, Kerr, uh, the number eight, um, Paddy Kelly, the twelve, yeah. um, Robbie Ferguson has always sort of been quite good at Scottish club rugby, done quite well down there. Maybe might Pete, get a shot back up. Pete Horns um, brother is down there, is he? He he was. He's come back. He's has now, he come back. He's now playing at Hawks, um, and I think he might sort of still be in the kind of fringes of Glasgow, but mm. seems like he's tearing up trees for once again for um, for Glasgow Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> so Where are all these trees? I right, know, bloody hell. Um, so yeah, I think that that that's another option that yeah, they could explore. Definitely.
2: Yeah, I think I, I think I think overwhelmingly I think it's certainly worth exploring. I wonder if the SRU only called that meeting after they'd had some pretty decent discussions with um with somebody, um, I mean, I hope so. I'd like to see it happening as soon as possible. Really, I, I think it's only, only going to be, a, only going to mm. be a good thing. Um, Do you think it would just be a sort vanity investment? Oh, I don't know.
0: Like, is there like the
2: football clubs, <sighs> maybe. I mean, but it's it's not exactly as much glory in investing in Edinburgh rugby at the moment, or, or Glasgow,
0: unless, unless you're someone like maybe like Martin Gilbert, Andy Nelson, management yeah, CEO, who just you know has a spare bob. Or two lying around. as a big rugby fan, and it's just a completely yeah. sort of. That'd be um, good fun. I mean, gen- that, that gener- not generous, but yeah. you know. That being um, said, I mean, film. I
2: would love to run, own, and run uh, a rugby team as oh, well. Yeah, I mean, if so, you so sitting had here, the money
0: and the time, you, you didn't need to make a return from them from your investment. I um, wonder what the minimum threshold at the fun.
2: SRU is, though, because I've got. 20, 20 quid or something like that I could have chip you? in that's good. that could probably tip up um, Ben Toulouse's contract Well, that's, that's probably more than he it's more than he deserves <laughs> at the a, moment that's his appearance bonus that's his um, appearance bonus but you know? uh,
0: well that's that's an interesting point because I know that um, the Western Force the Super 15 team in Australia have actually sort of released a crowdfunding program. have they really yeah so you basically I think that from what I've read you can pay a thousand pounds and there's five hundred thousand no, no sorry five hundred like, I don't know memberships that are sort of out there, so you can you can buy and you've got a stake in the ah. in the franchise, and they they've had loads of financial issues. The Western well, Force as of the Australian Rugby Union, so that's potentially an idea. It's um,
2: interesting. Let us know what you guys think about that. Get in touch with us on Twitter if you want to own a stake in uh, Edinburgh, or Glasgow, um, or to be honest, if you've got uh, if you've got a few bob or two, we'll get the Thistle Consortium together and we'll try and uh, we'll take over one of the clubs. What do you guys think? I mean, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> um, I think they would like our managerial style. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> It'd be fun for us, at least. So
2: Well, exactly, yeah. And I think that's all that we really want to get out of this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for us, I think it's a good thing. We'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts are. Um, at Thistle Rugby Pods on Twitter. Um, I'm looking down at our agenda,
0: Matt. I'm kind of coming to the end of our uh, end of our end of our thoughts. What do you think? I think we've we've kept it tight. Um, I think we've had a good good discussion. I think one of the one of the things that's come out, I suppose, just a sort of bit of trivia and news, is that um, Irvine Rugby Football Club, based on the the west coast of Scotland, have just signed two ex international rugby players. And this isn't you know local boys come good who've moved back to Irvine and doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. This is. Nikki Little, the ex-Fijian standoff, top ever point scorer for Fiji, um, played in numerous World Cups, played for Saracens before, um, is going to play this season in the big games, in the big games only, for Irvine Rugby Football Club. Um, Where are Irvine in the, in the league system? I, I don't know. They're, they're quite far down. They're not, they're not in a kind of top three or four league. How is Nick, how, who knows Nicky Little in Irvine? I do how not is know. how is that come well, about? He, I don't know. He he lives in London, so they're flying him up and supposedly paying him forty k a year. But they've also signed a guy, an ex Welsh international. I think his name is Robinson, who's played sort of four or five times. Who's doing the exact same thing? It, it just it's just the most bizarre one of the most bizarre stories. Who's, I've the, ever heard. who's the sugar daddy, at Irvine Then I have absolutely no idea. Maybe he can have a yeah. have a stab at one, yeah, funding one of the, the big guy. teams. Why is he funding Irvin? Um, so yeah, I Fair thought enough. that was that was almost something to. That's quite a funny little snippet <laughs> snippet of news from the week. Well, that's um,
2: amazing. Well, we'll have to. If anyone's listening out there in Irvine, go down and have a look and see if how Nikki yeah, Little's please, getting on.
0: Please tell us what the, the full kind of story is there because we'd we'd yeah, love to know. Please get
2: in touch. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. As we say, we're at Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, we've just set ourselves up guys you know this is our second episode we are um, currently available on SoundCloud we are going to get ourselves onto Apple iTunes um, very soon, hopefully this week so it'll be nice and easy for you guys to, uh, to stay in touch we're going to be back next week um, hopefully celebrating a big win for Scotland over Australia and we're going to be chewing through what's happening uh, in the run up to the
0: Argentina game uh, but for now uh, it's a goodbye from me Goodbye from me. And once again, shout out to the friendliest man in Scottish rugby, Tom, Tom Brown. Tom Brown. Uh, Invol- did, involved on Friday. So involved well on done, Friday night. Well Didn't
2: get a try. Better luck next time, Tom. Yeah. It's all right, mate. Have a good one. See you later, guys.
1: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.